What's going on? This is your host, Juan Gray, and welcome to the Words to Success show, where I have raw conversations with the most incredible and fascinating minds on the planet to help you get closer to your own version of personal success. On today's episode, I am bringing on Ron Kitchens, who is a very experienced businessman, investor, CEO, and an expert on leadership and innovation. On the show, we talk about the mistakes that most young people make in business, how to be a strong leader, and the importance of powerful questions. This and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy and take action on at least one thing that you learn because that can make all the difference. He drops a lot of wisdom all the way through, so make sure you listen until the end so you don't miss a thing. All right, let's get right to it. Vamos. Vamos. A great life is where your sense of appreciation is higher than your sense of expectation. We don't value things that are rentals. We don't value disposable things. We don't value fakes. But we, a lot of us treat our lives that way. Love is a gift to give yourself. Love everybody as you can, as much as you can, as often as you can. I'm gonna live my life like I need 100 people to carry my casket. Ron Kitchens, welcome to the most badass show on the planet, my man. How do you do? I am awesome. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. <clears throat> so, uh, Ron, you've done so much uh, over the last couple of years in in your company, and pretty much your whole life story is very inspiring. Uh, can you take us back, maybe just a little bit, just to give a quick recap for people who maybe it's their first time hearing about you? Who is Ron Kitchens, and and how did you get started on this uh, path to being a CEO of a uh, very, very big company. So, um, you know, for me, I have the kind of anti story. So neither of my parents finished the eighth grade. Um, my father was illiterate, suffered from the same um, form of dyslexia that I have, but he just never learned to read. And because of that, um, it cost him his life. And so um, my mom is 15 years older than me, uh, just barely. My dad it was just barely 16 years older. He died uh, when he was 20. So my mom was a 19-year-old with two kids, no education. And, uh, and it's that typical story of poverty and homelessness and uh, you know all those things that end up being statistics on the nightly news. Uh, but I um, I've had great mentors, people who pulled me out of the fire. And um, I intended to uh, go play college football and I was injured the first week of practice and my college football career was over and so was my college scholarship. So mentor grabbed me and uh, a group of men helped me go into business. So I, um, at 19, um, started and eventually became a chain of a small chain of convenience stores and wholesale of uh, automotive fuels, oils, windshield washer fluids, that we sold to lots of other small mom and pops. And from there, um, you know, I went on to, um, you know, discover one day, um, I uh, was about 20, I guess 20 years old. And my, there was a, uh, I realized one day that my friends couldn't come home from college, just wasn't gonna happen. There weren't any jobs. And that uh, made me sad, made me feel lonely. And I thought I'm gonna do something about it. So I could create jobs on my own because I knew that everyone who had what I wanted growing up had one thing in common. Their family had jobs. 
And I knew that the greatest force to change in my life was going to be education that allowed me to have a job and to uh, hire other people. And in doing so, I realized that I could do more than just hire people. I could change whole systems. So I ran for city council in my hometown when I was 20. I was elected three times, three two-year terms by landslide votes. Technically, nobody ran against me, but I still got all the votes. And um, But it changed my perspective, and I realized I cared more about jobs than I did about making money, but I understood that I had to make money to do the jobs piece. So for the last 30 plus years, I've grown and started companies and work with um, companies to help them grow. So we have a team of 30 here that um, every day get up working with companies, communities on growing jobs, growing companies, growing their capacity to um, to meet my life's goal of making sure that entrepreneurs and business people have the ability to create jobs. It's incredible, man. Um, if we if we go back when you were when you were nineteen, what are the things that you you know would have helped you to know that you know right now, or experience that you've learned that you can say, hey, you know, to to Ron when he was nineteen, give him some piece of advice. The um, most powerful thing that any young business pre- person has are the relationships that they make and that they continue. Too many young business people that we work with, startups, um, treat a relationship as a transaction. And what I now know is the people that I've had the biggest impact on or have had the biggest impact on me are relationships that um, started in one place and they have grown and continued over decades and have introduced me to people who have become my partners, introduced me to customers. Um, But you don't have to be born with the relationship when I started, it was really hard. There was no internet. There was no, you know, you got a phone book and you had to go to other cities and steal the phone books out of hotel rooms to find out who your next customers could be. Today's world, we have the ability to connect with people, but your friends on social media don't count unless you have real relationships with them and you're really doing life and community with them. And if you do that well, nothing can stop you. Technology will change. You'll have bad days. You'll have ups and downs. But long term, you will grow and thrive based on the quality of the people you surround yourself with and build real community. Absolutely. You've also invested in a lot of startups over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Um, yeah in the last decade, we've uh, 15 years, we've um, invested about $100 million dollars in uh, through our venture fund in um, startups, everything from, you know, being the first dollar in to uh, kind of midlife investments. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we've talked before about the importance of a, of a leader and of a young leader nowadays. Um, so what is it that you, you look for in maybe like a young CEO of a startup when you're investing? What are the main things that you're like, okay, the, if these things are in place and that, you know, you can, you can see it becoming successful. 
So um, for us, it's passion for the product or the service. You know, if we get somebody comes in and says, oh, this is a phenomenal idea. It's going to be a billion dollars. We're going to exit at a billion dollars in three years. We're not interested. Um, I hear that um, 50 or 60 times a year. Um, there aren't that many billion dollar exits and people who believe that um, nobody who ever founded a billion dollar company started out saying that. And so if you're in it for the money, um, great. I wish you luck, but it's not for us. We want people who are in love with what they're doing because when life gets hard, when the money gets short, when it gets tough, if you're not in love with it, if you're not passionately in love, if you can't imagine being able to breathe tomorrow, if this thing doesn't exist, then we're not really interested in you. And mm -hmm. then do you have the grit? What in your life is going to tell us that when things get hard, you aren't going to bail? And so we want people who've got grit, who have made something of themselves, who have failed, but failed and kept going forward. Not these, you know, there's this myth of, you know, the um, lots of entrepreneurs, you want somebody who's failed a lot, they've learned lessons. Now, most of them learn the same lesson over and over and over again. They didn't learn a life's worth of lessons. So grit is incredible. You don't have that, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. And, once once you you uh, invest in a company, like what are the uh, pieces of advice that you give you know to the founding team or to the people that are really in charge? Um, so, you know that it's funny. I had this conversation two weeks ago with the company we're not invested in, but we're actually coaching the CEO, and um, he desperately, desperately wanted new office furniture. He didn't need it. It was purely an ego thing. And, and I had to talk him off the ledge and say, you know, you shouldn't invest $1 in this company that isn't going towards the product. You know, that's you know, the, the whole mythology around, you know, Hewlett Packard or, or Steve Jobs starting their companies in garages. The cool thing is that the garage, the cool thing is they did it the the smart way. They didn't invest one dollar in things they didn't need. And so a lot of young startups have bought into this fake um, San Jose myth, the Silicon Valley myth that you know for us to be successful, we have to have a slide and we have to have a swimming pool for the employees and all of that. <laughs> Nobody actually believes that, and the successful ones never have those things until after they're wildly profitable. You don't spend precious dollars on silliness um, before that. I mean, we had a company we went into that was crashing, we went into Coach a couple of years ago, and they had a DJ on payroll. Um, so when you know things got slow in the office, the DJ's cranking up tunes wow. in the corner. And I'm like, are you a freaking idiot? What exactly do you think this is a good idea? And uh, so the rules of business, you know, say you invest your time, your talent, your treasure in the places that give you returns and push you always forward. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's funny. The uh, 
that they had a DJ, they have a DJ on payroll. You know, I mean, if you, have, if you have yeah. a friend of yours that he's part of the team and he's doing it because he wants to practice and he's good, whatever, that's a different uh, story. But having him on payroll, spending your money that could be used on product on DJ. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, if you had, so let's just say, if you uh, have to say three actions that a, a CEO, you know, at a startup company, had to had to be doing on like every day. So you said doing those three things that's going to help moving the you know move the the company forward. What would those three things uh, be for CEOs right now that have a team? They're you know they're focused on leading. They're focused on bringing them closer to that vision that they have. Inspiring, making sure everyone is doing the work, being being a of service. What are the three things that he should be always focused on? Um, maybe not in any particular order, but uh, culture. Mm -hmm. So the culture of your organization um, is critical that you establish it, you establish what the rules are and how you are going to thrive together. It's communication, and that's communicating internally. You have to think of communication. If we're in a room together, hanging over us is a giant rubber bucket and the more communication, more liquid you pour into that bucket, it continues to expand because it's rubber. So that means to fill it up every day, to fill up your team members or your customers' communication bucket, you have to double and triple the amount you did the day before, but it also has a leak in it. So you've got to put that much more into it. So you've got to be communicating internally and externally. And I think a lot of leaders forget that. They either let somebody else determine their culture. So when the hard days come, and they always come, if you don't have the right culture in place, people will bail on you. If they haven't bought into the mission, if they haven't bought into the purpose, if they're just there because they think they're going to you know, get something extra in the end, then you're doomed to failure. But you also got to communicate with your customers, your suppliers, the people with whom you're dependent on that are outside of your sphere of influence. Because if you're not, then you don't have those advocates working for you. So, you know, good CEOs understand, good leaders understand that it's the um, people outside of the organization that are gonna make and break you. Who's referring to you? Who's helping you get better pricing on products? Who's telling their uh, their peer that they ought to be buying from you? Who's introducing you to potential investors? It's all a function of communication. And then a third um, thing, along with you know communication and culture, is um, is creativity, and that's looking at problems in a way that's different than the marketplace has previously done it. Nobody needs a copy of something else. Great companies succeed because they're filling a market niche that isn't there. And sometimes it's just you're cutting the price lower than the next guy. Um, if that's your business, great. Um, you're going to get disrupted too because somebody else is going to figure out a way to make it cheaper than you. But if you're really building a unique, cool business, then um, then you've got to creatively think every day about every component of that organization 
And that takes a commitment of time that a lot of um, point leaders, CEOs aren't investing in themselves. So they get, you know, it's the cliche, they get so busy working in the business mm-hmm. that they're not working on the business. And, uh, and that's critical, you know, because you got into it. Most people start a business because they want to change the world or their little corner of it. And, uh, and you don't do that by copying other people. You do it by innovating. Definitely. And as, as a leader of a company like that, you always have to be, I think, trying to be a, a little ahead of the game, right? Um, yep. So that you're able to, to be a couple steps before. So when your team asks you about things, even if you don't know, you have a good idea of where it's going. And if not, you can find the answers. So what's your advice on someone who maybe is right now has a company of maybe 20 people, right? But it's still at, at its startup stage. So there's a lot of movement um, and a lot of it is, ex- is expected out of him or, or her. What would be your advice so that, that they always know where to go? Like creating a, uh, a board of advisors, maybe like from a board of advisors standpoint, how do you, how do you go about that? Like creating one um, that you can go and seek advice from people who can actually give you advice and have been there before. Yeah, I think that, so the first thing, mistake that I see um, young leaders make is um, they surround themselves not with people who've been successful, but people who want to be cheerleaders for them. Yeah. And um, that's great. You need your mom to tell you that you're smart and fast. You need your uncle to tell you that you can do it. But if you want to be successful, you need to talk to people who have been successful, whether it's in your industry or not, there's a code of conduct, behaviors, thought patterns that um, successful people share. And you, in a lot of cases, you only get that by studying them, by talking to them. You know, John Maxwell is this great thinker. Um, John Maxwell has a great line. Every time you meet somebody, who he's learning from, the last question he has for him is, who do you know that I should know? And will you introduce me to them? So he's always learning. He's always doing that. So, you know, people will say, well, you know, I don't know the best minds. I, you know, but I know one guy. I can get to one guy. Well, ask that person who you should meet with. And will he introduce you? And so gathering that, um, but then have a clearly thought out list of questions. And, uh, and for me, I've, you know, uh, there are people I can't meet. I, I will cold call them and say, uh, you know, today it's easy to do research on people. You know what their charities are. They like because they post it on their social media or they show up on that charity's pictures and their feed. And so I will call and say, hey, I'll donate, you know, 250 bucks to X charity that you did an event for if you'll give me 15 minutes of your time to ask three questions. And my third one is always the John Maxwell question. But so I'm going in prepared, something that I know they, a question, uh, something they've mastered. I don't waste a lot of time telling them about how smart they are being a fanboy, even though I can be fanboy with the best of them. They don't need to hear that. That's not why we're in the room. Now, I have almost never had anybody let me leave after 15 minutes. 
I'll say it 15 minutes. So this is what I ask for. Thank you. And they go, oh, no, no, we have another 15. Don't worry about it. Go on. And, but that's where you learn, but you have to be smart enough and um, intuitive enough to, to have questions of things you want to know, not just, Hey, if I'm around Richard Branson, then I'll be smart like Richard Branson. I'll know what he knows. No, you'll end up talking about the weather. He's just a human like anybody else. You have to have specific questions. And I love questions about, here's a problem I'm facing, we're facing. How would you um, address this? What would your, because really you want their thought process. Mm -hmm. You want, okay, here's how they think this through. And, oh, I missed that step. That's where the magic comes. I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Bessie Footwear. They are literally the only everyday sneakers that you can actually wear every day. They are super stylish, 100% waterproof, breathable, extremely comfortable, oh, and they're even vegan. Honestly, when I found out about this brand, I knew I wanted to try them out. And after I did, I hit them up to work right away because after wearing them for months, I genuinely love the product and want to support so more people can actually enjoy the Vessi shoes as well. To check them out, you can go to VessiFootwear.com. That's V-E-S-S-I Footwear.com. And I can guarantee you won't regret it. Let's get back to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's all about getting the, the thought process, right? Yep. Would you say that that's the – is there any other questions that you that you usually love to ask, uh, like that last question from John Maxwell? Um, I, uh, I ask if they give me the extra 15 minutes. Um, I, uh, I ask the – in your business life, what gives you great joy? Because it gives you insight into what successful people value. Mm-hmm. And if you know what somebody values, then their decisions, their actions start making more sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that because as I track their success in their career, it then helps me go, oh, I see why you made that decision three months ago because it got him to the place that he had this outcome. And so it creates um, a distance mentoring that um, otherwise you're just not going to get. Everything looks like a highlight reel where, oh, well, that just happened for him. When in reality, they made three moves down the road that got him to that success. Um, and then I think um, asking the um, if, if you can feel that the rapport is there, uh, I love the question around this kind of idea of the, hey, I'm, you know, one of my worries is that I'm going to make a mistake, classic mistake that I don't, that everybody else knows is an issue, but I haven't learned. What are the things that I should be careful of that I should pay special attention to if I want a long successful career like you've had and um, and you get some really great um, responses and the interesting the responses you'll see create a pattern and it really depends on the age of the person because 
each each age you hit is a, a different opportunity to screw things up. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that, it tells you where the landmines are in your own leadership, in your own opportunities to lead, and helps you recognize that, oh, all right, I got to be careful of that one. I've, I, I've never seen it before, but I was told it's coming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I've seen it and can avoid it. Right. So if, if I ask you that myself, like myself uh, as a leader in, in my 20s right now, um, what would be the things that you think I should be should be careful of? Entitlement. Um, in your 20s, you have success. It, great things come and you go, well, Elon Musk has a, you know, $150,000 Tesla. I should get $150,000 Tesla. That's what success looks like. Well, he didn't have that when he was 28 or 38. But it becomes a sense of entitlement that we, you know, a great life is where your um, sense of um, appreciation is higher than your sense of expectation. And so if you keep those in that balance, um, that's when success comes. But if you start thinking, well, I'm working hard, and I've been there. I've been there in my 20s working 100 hours a week thinking, well, you know, I need a new jet boat. I need a new this. I need a new that. I deserve it. When in reality, what I really wanted was somebody to tell me you're appreciated and um, and keep going. And that's why having mentors to surround you um, who are not your peers um, is critical because they'll talk you down off that ledge and go, listen, you do not need that. If you want to spend money, go spend a week at a leadership conference someplace awesome. But that car is not going to make you happy. You're, work, you're still going to have to work 100 hours a week. You don't have any time to drive that car. So that, that kind of we have to protect ourselves as leaders against that. And we had spoken before about uh, social nowadays, right? And mm-hmm. and leaders basically seeing, or I mean, people seeing seeing things on social media and a lot of materialistic things, and they think that is success, right? So you want to touch a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think you know, I uh, I mean, I like social media. I, I love where we are in the world as a leader, as a young leader. You know, if I wanted to know information. I had to drive to a research library, you know, an hour away, sit in there, try to convince a librarian to help me figure out where I could find things out that would help grow my business. And it might take me days to figure something out. Today, we pull out our phones, we type in a Google search, and we've got the information we need in minutes, if not seconds. But that also has Uh, allowed us to believe that everything we see online is real. And I have have several friends who are celebrities who have these big lifestyle followings on their Instagram account or their social. And it looks like they have the most amazing lives. And every time they take a candid picture, their makeup is beautiful or their clothes, their suits perfectly pressed. I know these people, they're as screwed up and as dysfunctional as I am. And, uh, you know, that's everything about it is, is fake. 
it's like we all know reality TV is not reality, but we've believed that this other life is easy and that's what their normal looks like. And it's not, it's their highlight reel. It's their brand that they're managing uh, in the same way you manage any other business brand. So, but we then believe, well, that's what success looks like. Success looks like these things. And um, when in reality, um, success looked like the hard work and the grit that they put in every day. And they have to do all those things well for years to get to that highlight reel, those pictures that you're seeing, thinking that that's how they, you know, rolled out of bed today. And um, so then we spend our lives feeling like fakes, like failures, because we try to copy what they, what we see they have, when in reality, they wouldn't copy that in their normal lives. None of us would. And um, so then when we do achieve some measure of success, it feels like failure. So too many leaders don't know what they want. We call it the Olivia Pope question. So mm -hmm. the TV show Scandal, the main star was Olivia Pope. And she always asked her clients, what do you want? What do you want? And none of them could ever answer the question. Too many young leaders, too many Generation X, Generation Millennials, Zs, Ys, whatever we're up to now, don't know what they want. So if you don't know what you want, you'll never be happy because nothing you get will ever seem like you worked hard enough to get it, like it has a value in it, but it'll never be as good as what you see on somebody's Instagram feed. And so it's critically important to decide what you want, decide what you're going to do to get it, and then go get that done and define that as success. Because what you'll find is those authentic people are the ones that really have followers and really have a life worth emulating. I think most people that are looking, um, you know, at, at these, you know, uh, people on social media, whatever, a lot of times they have unclarity as well in their lives. And yep. when you have that unclarity, it's very hard to move forward in any direction because you just don't know what you want and you don't know where you want to be going. And I think especially like at the 16 to, I mean, early 20s uh, mark, there's a lot of people that reach out to me personally that reach out to, to, uh, to us. Sometimes we ask, what is it that you're struggling the most with right now? And one of the main answers is not finishing with what you start, right? Yep. Which I think is a big thing from, you know, for... I mean, always, but I think especially now because everything's so immediate, people don't yeah. have that grit to actually follow through. Let's just say even starting like a podcast, it start one episode and then after that to go, like, oh, what happened, right? They're not kind of move, keep going when there's no results or they don't see that immediate gratification, that immediate success. So what is it that you, uh, you know, what advice do you have for maybe kids that are, I don't know, let's just say 18 years old and are at a point where they're, not sure what it is that they want in their lives and they feel completely lost and then unclear how can they um create i have a way that i usually recommend but i i'd like to kind of know what you think as in how can they basically create a roadmap for their lives when they don't necessarily know where they want to end up yet so i um so anybody that tells you that at 18 they knew exactly where they were gonna go and their life was linear and it all worked out is full of bull. It's mm -hmm. not true. I deal with hundreds, literally thousands of leaders 
uh, over the course of a year, we do our training side, we'll train between six and 8,000 people a year. I'll go through some of our programs and uh, it's not true. So stay, go do three years. What do you wanna achieve in the next three years? And what are the steps to um, take? You know, it's the old begin with the end in mind and work backwards. You know, if it, and, um, and understand that life is sequential. You know, you can't go, well, you know, I wanna lead a you know, global Fortune 500 company uh, in three years, but you're 18 and, um, and you haven't been able to pass consumer math in school. <laughs> you know, uh, first thing you got better math manages finance. But figure out what it takes. And if you don't know, then pick something and um, there's someone that you, you, you would like to emulate and get to know and ask them. If I wanted to achieve this in the next three years, what are the steps you think I have to take? People are so generous with advice, but we get scared to admit we don't know things. So we don't ask for help and ask for insight. Well, ignorance is our enemy. Ignorance is the biggest issue that any of us have. And the only way to defeat ignorance is by admitting that we don't know something and going and learning it. And, uh, you know, there's a, a, a incredible um, woman leader that I've been following now, maybe five or six years, Rachel Hollis. You know, Rachel had a high school diploma and, um, and a dream and graduated from school a year early because she had a bad family life and wanted to get the hell out. And she has built a global brand with, you know, what, five or six, seven million followers um, every day on her, on her social. She's got a whole conference series. She had four best-selling books. Amazing. But it, she does things one at a time, methodically, gets it done, adds value, moves to the next, but asks great questions. You know, she'll, she'll, I think her line is, you know, she's built a global brand with hundreds of employees um, with a high school diploma and an internet browser. But you got to do the work and you got to know where you're going. You do not have to know where you're going to be in 25 years. The job, you know, the job that any of us are doing today is not going to exist 25 years from now. Mm -hmm. But great, driven, gritty people will be um, still be the currency of trade and the most successful people um, 25 years from now. So your goal is to be incredible, educated, driven. You do those things well, you're going to thrive. Definitely. Um, Ron, you have a, a book. Well, I mean, I think this is your third book, right? Uh, My third book. Unique, uniquely yep. you, right? Yep. So, can you can you maybe tell us about what was the process of of writing that and why you decided to to basically um you know write a third book? Um, so this book's different in that um, it's really uh, got a lot of biographical stuff to it. Um, I uh, I lived in fear until I was forty. Um, I had all these great business successes huge influence, testified before Congress, 
worked for a United States senator, was hanging out with you know, the wealthiest, smartest, most beautiful people in the world, and was terrified that somebody would find out that how I grew up, that I grew up, you know, worried about food, and I grew up worried about shelter, and climbed into Goodwill boxes in, you know, uh, grocery store parking lots to go school shopping for clothes, you know, that I attended 13 different um, schools before the sixth grade, and was just terrified that people, with, they knew who I was, would, um, would shun me, that I wasn't elite. I didn't go to elite school. It took me eight years to graduate from college. The funny thing on that is I'm a trustee now at Western Michigan University, which means you're appointed by the governor to be the managing board of the university, which is an eight-year appointment. So I got an appointment for as long as it took me to graduate from college to lead the, and, uh, and manage a college. So it, uh, you know, you never know who you're going to become, but you know, there's a, a quote that Brene Brown says is because true belongings only happens when uh, we present our authentic imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance and that really caused me to be willing to tell my story and to talk about, you know, I, I, here's how I grew up. Here's the mistakes I made, but here's how I learned from it. And here's how it manifests itself in our business and our successes in what I've done and the decisions I made in my life. And it really, the desire came out of uh, this idea that, as I mentioned, we do a lot of training and development work for leaders of all ages. But there are two groups that I hear from, there are really three groups I hear from um, every time I speak, every time I write something, podcasts, we get the same feedback. And it's the 26, 27-year-old woman who went to a great school, who's busting it at work, who's doing everything right, and yet she's still being treated like a secretary. She's not being treated with levels of respect that the men are. She's not getting the opportunities that the men are, and she wants to know what to do about it. Or it's the 30-year-old guy who just had his first or second child, and uh, he doesn't want his dad's life. He doesn't want to work 100 hours a week or 80 hours a week and, um, and not be integrated into his family. He wants to have, have it all. And, uh, and doesn't know how to, to communicate that and do it. Or it's the 50-year-old guy who those two work for who wants to do the right thing who has no idea what that is. So we really wrote this book with them in mind and with the idea that you can transform your organization by becoming the leader only you can be. Nobody ever took a, a rental car to a car wash. You never had the oil changed in a rental car. Nobody ever bought a, a fake you know, Gucci bag and, um, and ins put any insurance on it. Hmm. We don't value things that are rentals. We don't value disposable things. We don't value fakes. But we, a lot of us treat our lives that way. Treat our lives like we're not valuable, so we're going to be a copy of somebody else. Well, Copies sell for pennies on the dollar. The authentic thing sells for, uh, 
you know, the sky's the limit. And so this book is really about valuing yourself for your unique abilities and then maximizing those to not only transform your own life, but to transform the organization, whether that's a business, a church, a, you know, a city, um, you know, or not for profit, you know, but by understanding who you are and your values, that's where greatness comes from. It doesn't come from just trying to be a knockoff of the, uh, of the next thing. If we, um, if we go into the future a couple of years, what do you, what do you hope to accomplish that you haven't accomplished yet, Ron? Oh, that's a great thing. Um, you know, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my kind of career in life to this idea of building and growing amazing leaders. I'm going to live my life like I need a hundred people to carry my casket. Mm. Like, and so I can pour into people that they're going to, when I die, people are going to be fighting um, to get that call into my wife and say, can I, can I be there and, and carry it? And that means lifting up and growing people. It means being um, incredibly committed to relationships. Uh, it ends up, um, you know, personally, I just don't want to get old, which doesn't mean I don't want to age because you either age or die, but it means I don't want to mentally get old. So, you know, one of the things that I, um, that I coach, you know, that 50 year old leader on is you've got to have a mentor who's 10 years younger than you are. And you have to have a mentor that's just entering the workforce. You can have one older than you. Great. But your future is dependent on your ability to embrace today and use your knowledge and capacity to magnify change today, not hold the status quo. If you're not willing to change and grow, get the hell out of leadership because all you're doing is clogging the system. That great leaders are getting input from those who understand culture, understand um, change happening, can teach you. You can learn technology from, you can learn relevancy from. And if you do that, you never really get old, you age, but you never really get old. And, um, and I wanna lead for a long time. And the only way to lead is to be relevant. And the only way to re be relevant is to surround yourself with people younger that you can learn from. That's very good advice. Very good advice. I love that. We're, we're going we're gonna to wrap up soon. Um, before we do, I, I want to ask you a, a last question, Ron. If I give you a piece of paper right now, and on that piece of paper you had to write whatever is really true to you and the most important stuff that you've learned in your lives, and that's something that you're giving to a daughter, a son, someone who's going to be able to take that piece of paper, put it in their pocket, and look at it every single day when they feel at their worst, when they feel at their best, and it's something that's to be a constant reminder of something that you would have wanted to tell them um, on a daily basis. What would that thing be? What would be your words to success? Um, love is a gift you give yourself. Love everybody as you can, as much as you can, as often as you can. Will you get hurt? Yes. But the joy you give yourself by believing in people, by seeing the best in them, by helping to stoke their fires, um, 
it, it amplifies you. The greatest people, the people that are most successful in, in my life and the people that I want to emulate are people that love and lift up everybody around them and people naturally gravitate to that's who I want to be and and it's it's a constant I mean we all got a little Eeyore in our ear versus a little Tigger and um but you know nobody wants to be around the negative naysayer and uh but everybody wants to be around somebody who makes them feel special and uh and if you do that it's kind of the old zig ziglar saying you can have anything you want in this world if you just help enough people get what they want and uh and the greatest way to get, help people get what they want is love on them be honest be forthcoming with them but to know that they you're in their corner and you want them to win and uh do that and you get to live a pretty awesome life Definitely. Well, Ron, I appreciate you for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to to have you. And, you know, you can always give me a call if you need some youthful energy. I'm, I'm here to keep you young forever, bro. Awesome. I will do that because there are things that you're doing and things that I listen to your podcast that go, oh, man, that's gold. Man, I just made that mistake. And uh, you, you, there are times you keep me from walking in front of the bus. And I love the creative stuff because I think you know, the actor producer stuff, that's just about being a storyteller yeah. and being a great storyteller um, is the fundamental component of being human. We all want to know stories and we all want to tell stories. And uh, we do that. Um, there would be a whole lot of wars that would never happen if we could just get people to sit around the fire and tell stories to each other. They, uh, life would be pretty good. And that's what my mission is, man, to tell, be able to tell those stories. Yeah, nope, I'm all in with you too, man. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much right. for coming on, man. All right, talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Ron Kitchens. I personally really liked what he talked about, powerful questions. And that's something that you can use in your business and your career, no matter what it is you do. Because at the end of the day, powerful questions are always going to lead to powerful answers. So just keep that in mind. Also, his new book is launching Uniquely You, which we were talking about on the show. You can find that on ronkitchens.com. You can find that on our website, Amazon. So go and pick that up. I hope you guys keep enjoying the show. Keep sending us you know, different ideas of who you want on and tagging us when you're listening to it at Words to Success on Instagram. And I'll see you on the next episode. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.